Welcome back, baseball fans, to another edition of the Prep Baseball Report of North Carolina podcast. I'm Brandon Hall. He's Matt Payne. We're going to sit down and talk about high school baseball here in the Carolinas. Matt, how are we doing? Doing good. Uh, a little bit of a calm before the storm. We kind of got through all of our all of our preseason events, and um, I wouldn't say a weekend off because there were some things going on around the state, but we were, we're kind of getting all of our preseason stuff out and ready to go so our, our weekend maybe was not as hectic as it has been what'd you end up getting into just really trying to prep for the high school season uh you know we got high school previews about to come out and the power 25 came out so just kind of looking at teams and trying to figure out where we need to be when the season kicks off next week yeah saw the power 25 dropped on friday um and not too much kickback. I, I think people know that we're working at it. We're, we're trying to to do our homework and do our research. And we've gone through, and I know we've gone through at least a hundred high school previews that were sent to us by coaches. And of course we're doing our own research on that stuff too. But you know, you put most of that together. Um, I was kind of on the peripheral uh, and we're going to get into the power 25 a little bit later, but just briefly, you know, how hard was it? It's it's always difficult. I think the the top end teams heading into the year can kind of be be somewhat clear cut when you go through rosters or or who we like, and then uh, once you get outside the, the top ten a little bit, you kind of you, you show some of the the teams that are good year in year out. You kind of show them respect early, and uh, you know give them an opportunity to prove that they'll be good again, or either it's a rebuilding year for them, and um, then obviously the season will speak for itself. Yeah. You know, we're getting ready to start that high school season. We're going to jump into a bunch of information that we've got pouring out through the website. Um, but let, let's start with just a, a kind of a look back, um, you know, our careers as you were going through and we're getting ready for game one and week one of what, what seems like a, a long season. Um, as you're looking at it now, when we get into May, we're going to look back and see it was a little bit more of a sprint. Um, but any, any memories on your end, whether it be from high school or college of that, that week one anticipation or some big things happening in your first experience on the field, whether it was your freshman year or later in your, your career? I think the nerves and anticipation for the season, um, obviously being a young kid, you don't realize how long the season is and you kind of put so much into being ready for week one. And then as you get older, you realize it's it's more important to be to be more ready in, in April and May than than in February. And um, you know, watch you know, college baseball kicked off this weekend for the for the D1 guys and watch some of that. And then actually my my first at bat in college, I hit a home run on the on the first pitch I saw. So I'm, I'm sure there was some luck involved in that, but uh, you know, you, you do that, you only have one way to go and that's down after that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I didn't know that. Who'd you hit it off of? Do you remember the team? Uh, I think it was it was Delaware, one of the I believe it was Delaware, one of the northern schools that would always come down early in the year. We were actually in Delaware's conference, probably. Well, it would have been uh, when I was at Wilmington. So before you got to school. Um, but that was that was always a club that could hit. They spent all that time indoors or their cages had bad lighting and they dial up that machine. They could always hit fastball and they had their, their head coach had a really good offensive plan. Um, and then on the mound, I remember them just big, burly, husky guys that had arm strength, but not arm speed, you know, a lot of fastball change up because their hitters, you know, teed off on fastball and did such a good job with it that, you know, the pitch they got through the fall with was change up. So, um, you know, and I think they opened, I was watching, you know, the, the YouTube channel, give them a little shout out wheels. If you haven't seen the wheels, it's just spelled W H E L S is the, uh, the page, but he breaks down as many college games that are on TV as he can into about eight to 12 minute clips. And so I saw most of the series with Delaware and Ole Miss and, um, you know, Ole Miss is off to a quick start. It looked like, and I uh, got a chance to be very, very good again. Um, but Delaware is a club that I think, you know, obviously being in the colonial. So, you know, some, some Carolina love with uh, Wilmington, with Elon, with uh, college of Charleston, uh, three clubs that, that they'll have to contend with. They they should be in the mix in that in that uh, that conference. Um, you know, for you know me, one thing about those. Go ahead. About those northern teams coming down early in the year, they either they either play really well because they're so excited to be outside for the first time, or you know they 
they, they struggle because it is their first time out. You know, it's not much in between. They either play probably above their talent level or, or below. It's, it's one or the other. I always found that they were ready to hit fastballs. You know, that you, you weren't going to do a whole lot to get even, you know, and we had some years at Charlotte, we, we had a, our one was, you know, 95 to 98 when everybody else's average fastball was 88, you know, and still they would come down, they'd be on time for it because they'd seen it in the cages. They'd seen it off the machine. Um, but where you could get them is, you know, defensive rotations, first and third, bunt defenses, relays, some base running stuff. That was the margin of error, um, you know, and then watching some of the games this weekend, I know Penn State played well at Miami, um, you know, and a lot of that. Jacob Coffin. Say it again. Jacob Coffin threw in that series, you know, got left-handed from Pro 5. That's right. Watched some of that, got to see him throw and uh, got some action. And, you know, several other kids we covered, uh, you know, Garrett Michelle had a good weekend at Virginia Tech and um, Brock Wills was playing for Wil- for Wilmington and uh, – I think the the Hulk brother at Carolina got got a couple starts as well. Yep, yep, and, and that's that's one of the neat things for us as we get to know these guys as they're going through the system, and whether it being at the junior college level or Division One level or anything in between, you know, following how these guys are reacting and, and getting a chance to see them get off to fast starts, slow starts, you know, watching them recover, um, it's all part of the game, and it's fun for us because we put evaluations on these guys, and we kind of want to see how those evaluations match up. You know, and there's still some guys that, um, you know, that are still hitting their their draft year this year that I had put really good numbers on when they were seniors. And it was kind of one of those deals with with them as seniors where, you know, is a club willing to overspend as a senior in high school so that they don't have to pay him his market value in college because his market value may be four, five, 10, 15 times what it is in high school. Um, and inevitably most of those guys get to college and they get to play it out. You see a couple of them are, are going to make po- you know, pro teams pay for that. And a couple of them that haven't hit that ceiling yet. And you're, you're, you know, not around them every day. You don't see what's going on every day. You have no reason why uh, understanding why, but um, you know, or maybe this, the evaluation was off a little bit. So it's always fun kind of tracking those guys too, as they're getting through that next round of, uh, draft coverage because it's something that we do dive back into on our end helping out d1baseball.com you know with their draft list and 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 the the execution of the top 500 players in the country and going and watching some of those college games and then being able to compare those those players to the high school kids we're we're covering as well so uh, i'm excited to get out and see some of those games uh too are there are there any colleges in the area that you're kind of looking forward to seeing uh, I think the, the you know the typical schools in North Carolina. You know you got North Carolina, NC State, and uh, obviously talking to the pro guys, they love Wake Forest this year, and uh, they put up a lot of runs early. And uh, then you always expect uh, Wilmington and East Carolina to be super competitive as well. And you know we know what Campbell's done the last few years with with the seasons they've had, and you know they've had some first round picks also. Yeah, can, uh, Wake Forest obviously they they do that deal every year. They bring in multiple teams and they'll they'll play friday saturday and then two their doubleheader will be on sunday the other teams will play doubleheader on friday or doubleheader on saturday and so you know wake's able to kind of sift their pitching out to set up their one versus whoever they want them to to face but they were throwing in their two slot and and his name just slipped my mind i cannot believe i can't remember him but it was the right-hander that showed up at our myers park open id event um i want to see Say it again. Keener? Yes. Keener or louder? It was Seth Keener. Seth Keener, out of yeah. nowhere. You know, we're, we're running an, uh, it was a scout day with an open ID on top of it. And Seth Keener shows up. No, Nobody has his name. Nobody's seen him. He hasn't really done anything in a year because his family took some downtime to get his nutrition right, get his arm right, get him in a weight room, re, you know, prehabbing. He wasn't hurt. They just said, hey, we're going to go about this in a little different way. And all of a sudden, he's throwing bullets in the bullpen, you know, 86, 88. I think he bumped an 89. He could spin a breaking ball, you know. And we're leaving an an ID event that had, you know, 40 players at it. And both our phones are blowing up because we posted video of Seth Keener. Who's Seth Keener? What's what's going on with Seth Keener? I remember his dad texting me about three days later saying his phone hasn't stopped ringing. And so from (laughs) our end, that made us feel really good. Hey, one, we're helping. But two, we're kind of ahead of the game on it a little bit. And then I know he, he went through the pitching lab stuff at Wake at a camp, and he came to our preseason 
uh, All-State deal, and they just needed to see if it was for real. And then watching him throw the other night, because he threw game one for them, you know, same dude. It's a quick arm. It's a strong arm. It was downhill. It's a top-to-bottom breaking ball that was tight. And, you know, if that if that dude's their three or their four, they're in really, really good shape because they got louder, obviously, is going to be their one. Um, but deep staff, and then offensively, they've got a chance to score double digits every time out. So they'll be an interesting club. It's a, a lot. It's a it's a lot of people's club kind of pick the click to get to Omaha out, out of clubs that maybe haven't been there in a while. So uh, that and that's an easy ride for us. It's just you know that that park can be cold at night. So I, I need to pick a day game to get up there. <laughs> yeah, it definitely can. Uh, let's let's jump ahead and keep this thing rolling. Let's talk a little bit uh, about something that was new with what we did with PBR this year. It's our first time ever jumping into team rankings um, on a national and a regional basis. So we've always done the Power 25. We've helped out in North Carolina in past years with the Coaches Association putting out a, a poll. Um, but with national rankings and, team, and regional rankings, um, you know, obviously there's a little bit more that goes into that and, and some cross-collaboration. Um, at this point, North Carolina, and if I'm wrong, correct me, we don't have anybody ranked nationally, um, which no. I think, I think honestly, that's a little bit because of the, the parity in the state. You don't have that one state, that one team that's just going to run away and we're predicting they're going to win 30 games, you know, whereas there are some other states where that's the case and that team's sliding into that 20 to 25 slot. Um, but we do have multiple teams in the regional rankings that are sitting on top of our power 25. So, you know, with the release of the Power 25, Matt, if you could, let, let's talk about a couple of teams at the top um, that, that you expect to be really good this year and be contending for state titles. Uh, it's, it's hard not to like Wake Forest with uh, with the roster that they have. And um, Luke Stevenson, you know, super 60 guy, catcher, bat. Uh, Cooper Allen, who we got to see a couple of times uh, this winter. Um you know, he swings the bat really well. He'll, he'll be a, a really good arm for him. They got to have Ethan Britton in the middle to play short. Um, Carlos Diaz behind the plate. Uh, good good catch and throw guy. We like his bat. And Ian that gives Williams him two right athletes. there. That's more than most people. Yeah. Uh, a lot of teams struggling to find one catcher. They got two. Yeah. Um, and then um, Ian Williams, athletic center fielder. And uh, just a lot of depth on that club. And it's, it's a little bit of an older club. Uh, then you, you go down to Corinth holders and, you know, Briggs McKenzie, uh, that's a tough matchup for anybody right there. And, uh, you know, they're, they're two guys going to be a little late, uh, jet music getting into the year. Uh, he's had a, you know, I think he's been held back a little bit with some arm issues, but, uh, he's expected back sometime during the year. And, and that gives them two aces at the top. And, uh, you know, you watch them play if, as long as they get guys on base, they, they play very aggressive and, uh, you know, they can apply a lot of pressure to high school teams if, if you can't catch and throw the baseball. And um, one of the things I found interesting as, as we're going through the power 25 was there was some flip from the last year, the last two years, you know, so, you know, Charlotte Christian's still in the top five, but they've been hanging out in that one, two, three slot for us for about three years. Um, Randleman has been in the one, two, three spot really for the last three or four years. And they're sitting at six. Uh, uh, New Hanover has been at the club that's year in and year out. They're, they're at 10. Providence, who had the, the remarkable year last year, maybe one of the, the best single season uh, years of any any high school club in North Carolina's history. They're down at 13. Um, you know, the expectations of, of a Wake Forest versus a Charlotte Christian, because Wake Forest is going to be new for us. This is, I think, their first time at number one in our Power 25 you know, talk about from a coaching standpoint or even a player standpoint of handling that new expectation of, of a Wake Forest type club jumping into that top spot versus a Providence club who's used to be in that top spot or Randleman and is now sitting outside, you know, that top five or top 10. You know, what's Wake Forest going to have to contend with? What what are the other clubs that are used to being higher going to have to contend with? I think it's definitely different for some of the newer clubs. Uh, I think if you're older and have been on in a playoff environment, it probably doesn't affect them too much. Uh, you know, we know the the talent that's in the the Raleigh area, so they're used to playing you know competitive games throughout the year. Uh, I I think with that club they'll be fine, but you know we go through it and you know Providence and Randleman probably aren't what they were last year, but it's hard not to put them in there because they win year in year out. They're 
extremely well coached. And when you do have those young guys that, you know, were eighth graders last year, JV kids last year, and they see what their older kids do, I think they have an expectation to live up to. And I, I think they want to do that. And, I, and when you're in that winning environment, you're in and you're out. I think it's, it's probably easier for those guys to adjust, adjust to the pressure and, and, and they, they expect to win maybe more so than, than teams that, that we don't have ranked as, as often as those guys. One of the other things that jumped out to me, and we're going to roll kind of towards the bottom of the top power 25. And again, if you're in the power 25, we, we've got you as one of the top 25 teams out of 400 plus teams in the state. So we think highly of you, you know, and I, I think some teams see this thing, man, I'm, I'm at 24. They, they no respect. You know, no respect. The Georgia played that card all year, and I'm a huge Georgia fan, but let's be honest, there weren't a whole lot of people that picked, didn't have Georgia in the top four all year. But, you know, when you talk to their players, nobody expected them to be there. You know, clubs I'm looking at, uh, Wesley and Christian at 24, the Burlington School at 25, Fuquay at 20, uh, East Rowan at 17. And one thing that all these clubs have in common is they've got a very, very good high-end draft possible senior or, or draft possible guy, one of them's not a senior yet, um, at the front of their rotation. So, you know, that that distance between where Wake Forest is at one and where Fuquay is at 20, when we get to the end of the year, that separation could be based on do we see them in the first round or the second round or the third round or the fourth round, and who's throwing? Because those clubs have high-end arms. I think, and if, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, if if – we get H.L. Smith rolling for Fuquay, and he gets dialed up, and for whatever reason, he's facing, you know, the number three at Wake Forest for some reason that happens in the playoffs. Wake Forest may be favored, even though they're number twenty. Wake Forest is number one. Yeah, it's you know how that pitching lines up in the in the playoffs makes a huge difference. Uh, I think when we rank these clubs, we try to you know somewhat look at who would win a three game set, right. and you know you. A lot, a lot of times an ace can carry you in the playoffs, and you look at what happened. I think it was last year with you a few Quay lost maybe on a, a Saturday because of some rainouts, and the you know the schedule got screwed up, and you know you get in a situation like that. You know, can you win with your with your three, or do you have to have your one to win? And you know, I think that that plays a factor when we rank these clubs, and then you know some of the private school teams obviously um, their schedules lighter a lot of times. Uh, you know, as far as their conference. And then, uh, you know, they, they can slide in kids from out of area. And, you know, I think, you know, one thing when we rank these teams, you, you, you know, you got to respect the the public schools that, you know, have to have to play with the kids that are in their area and maybe can't, uh, can't slide in some, some out of district kids that, that some of the private schools maybe can. Right. Let's, if you can, and, and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but let's look outside the top 25. So you've got your top 25 schools here. Um, you did a real, I, I love what you did with the website with listing who they're opening with. And I'm rolling through and I'm seeing the Burlington school on 225 versus combine. And I'm looking at the 225, which is Saturday. And it's supposed to rain all day Saturday, but they can figure out a way to get that game in. That may be somewhere where, where I'll, I'll be set up um, a bunch of really good games on the 27th and 28th. These clubs are kicking off their season. But if we look outside the top 25, do you see a team that's kind of missing in our power 25 that you go, you know, this is a club that can make a run to a state championship and have a really big year. And, you know, maybe I don't even know if it's, we misevaluated them, but maybe end up in our top 10 by the end of the year, if they really get things rolling. Is there somebody that stands out for you? Uh, I, mean, I think you got to look, Audrey Kale has some talent on the mound. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they're, they're a team that could get hot and make a run. Uh, you know, orange, orange high school, uh, they got the Barini kid who's, who's a gamer, a grinder. They'll have a hinch on the mound, his bat. Um, it's a team that could get hot. Um, you know, Alexander Central has, has three division one arms. They'll run out, you know, if, if, if they can hit it, you know, and, and play defense, they got a they got a chance to make a little run. Um, but you, I mean, you know how it is every year. There's always a, you know, a team or two that, that we don't have ranked early that, you know, will, will get hot and they'll have some young guys step up and, uh, you know, make us look bad at the end of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's just such depth in the state when you look at it and, you know, Wake Forest is open on 227. I think think that's Monday at Clayton. And I'm sure they're going to see Clayton's arm, you know, left-handed 
and come into Chapel Hill and, you know, right out of the shoot, you know, they, they may be, they, are they going to get off to a good start? Are they going to, are they going to be in that position to kind of run the table? Or are we going to have to kind of rework the rankings, even if it was just a one day, you know, a little glitch because it was opening day. So, you know, it's like, like you're saying, you know, with those opening days and, and you don't know what you're going to get. The other thing that happens opening days, we saw it in college baseball is everybody's available. And so, you know, I can throw my one, I can throw my two, I can throw my three, you know, I, I can, I can do anything I want with my pitching staff. As we get into week two or week three, your pitching starts to get set up. You can't really bounce a guy back. You've got to, you know, you've got to get him his rest. You got to get him back on track, you know, from a position player standpoint, we start becoming a little bit more of who we are, you know, adrenaline, adrenaline in that first game, I, I think can last you seven innings and you can play above your head a little bit, but that trick is not being too high or too low is can we find that middle ground and be who we are all the time. And then in certain key moments, jump it up a little bit. Um, I think opening day is one of those days where guys can jump it up a little bit. Um, and so I, you know, I'm interested to find out, you know, kind of how these hold up. I, I, I think, you know, it's hard to argue with, with where the rankings are. And I think you can make a case for every team and putting them in the slot that they are. But I also think you could look at it and go, man, if, if, Collins Black is on the bump for Carey, and you know they, they got Gavin Turner behind him, and they're matched up with uh, you know East Forsyth, and you know their lefties coming off the basketball season, and you know maybe Carey would be favored in that game, and I think that's that's the brilliance of what what happens in our state. Now I I hate the playoff system that we have. I despise it with all, all everything inside me. But I think the regular season does prep guys for that because, you know, you're seeing clubs once, twice, you know, throughout the year and, and every game becomes a big game because you're trying to see where you can get in and how you can get seated so that you can get off to a good start in the state playoffs. Yeah, the, the, the playoff system's awful. And, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's probably, you know, teams that if it was a, you know, a, a series like a lot of states, how different our state champions would be over the last, you know, 10 to 20 years. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll go back. Can I, does 20 years cover me? No, we got to go back further. You know, 20, 20 years doesn't cover me. We, we, I would have I had one. I, I honestly believe that. And I've seen a couple of my teammates whose kids have been coming to our events here this winter. And, and we all, we still, that one game, you know, we ran into a, a guy throwing a knuckleball. We hit six balls up against the fence that they were, that's where they were playing. And, they had five infield hits and that was the game, you know, and it's not, not that it sticks with me or bugs me or that I can remember every pitch of what happened. So, um, and before I fall into a deep, deep <laughs> depression, let's move forward. Um, let's talk about the preseason previews. I know we've got a lot of big things kind of lined up for the way we're going to get guys ready for the season. I know it started this week, um, you know, with uh, actually started last week with the power 25, moving into some kind of individual player recognition this week. And I know you started it off with uh, profiling some of the bigger bats in the state. Um, you know, the, the stories on the website, if you go to prepbaseballreport.com, click on North Carolina, click on news, and you'll see these stories pop up. But Matt, who are some of the big bats that you profile that you're excited to see this, this spring? Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of like the power of 25 when you, you can only pick a handful of guys, you know, you, you start to realize how many how many good players are out there and how many guys could be on the list. And uh, obviously Walker Jenkins, you know, maybe the best high school player in the country. South Brunswick, Luke Luke Stevenson's in there. Uh, Cooper Allen, a guy we saw. Tristan Salinas uh, was outstanding at the pro case for us. And uh, then you go down into the, the, the 24 class, you got Perry Hargett, who was at the pro case, and uh, Holden Cooper, who – uh, you know, every time you see him, he just hits, you know, yep. maybe, maybe not a ton of power, but, but can really hit. And, um, it's, you know, it's fun doing those lists. Cause you, you know, like I said, you realize how many good players are in our state and, uh, how hard it is to, to make these lists. Let, let's talk a little bit about Salinas. Cause that's one of my favorite bats in, in the, in the senior class. We had him at future games two years ago. Um, and he was kind of a left-handed hitter that we thought was going to just take off. And I honestly, I don't know that he believed as much in him as we believed in him. And then he got on that national scene. He hit a home run early. He hit a double early. 
Shooter gave him some love on day one. Shooter gave him some love on day two. SEC teams, ACC teams start calling. He ends up committed to the University of South Carolina. You know, uh, a guy from you know up the mountain a little bit. He gets he gets aided a little bit. Bat speed's rewarded up and up on the mountain, and you know you, you put the ball in the barrel with bat speed, and the ball does carry. But what is it that you kind of really like about Salinas uh, as you're profiling him this year, getting ready possibly as a draft follow, and then if he ends up at South Carolina? I think the fluidity in his swing. Uh, it's very fluid. The barrel stays in the zone a long time. And, uh, you know, until we went to future games, I didn't realize he ran that good. He's, you know, yeah. six six runner. Um, you know, and I, I think the more he's played, I think he's definitely got better defensively. And I, I think that'll be the difference maker for him is is where he ends up fitting defensively. And I, you talk to people, and, you know, some people probably believe maybe an offensive second baseman, other people, you know, see center or right field with them. And um, I think that is one thing you get into Western North Carolina. You don't – there's good players, but the high-end players are probably more scattered than, you know, the the bigger cities. And, you know, growing up, you're, you're probably – you're not as round as many of those guys. And sometimes it's harder to believe, believe you're as good as, as what other people think you are. The other name you mentioned that's really intriguing to me because I'm, I'm really excited to kind of see how he continues to fill out um, goes to Wakefield High School, which has a connection to me as my dad was their first ever head coach and coached there for 12 to 15 years. Um, Holden Cooper, uh, catcher, infielder, outfielder, super utility guy. I mean, a legitimate utility guy because he can catch. Very athletic back there. Listed six foot 185. And you talked about every time we show up, he hits. But what is what is it that puts him in those positions as you're trying to watch and evaluate him um, that, that allows him to have that barrel efficiency, I guess, is what we could call it, with the hand strength and with the bat speed? I think he's super competitive. And I, I think he's pretty confident in who he is. Uh, you know, he doesn't have a ton of power, and he doesn't swing like he has a ton of power. He's uh, – a gap guy, he gets the barrel in the zone, keeps it in the zone, and uh, he just seems to have a, a competitive mindset when he's in the box. That that story is on the website, I and mean, I posted one yesterday on the pitchers. Um, and, and Matt, I'll let you throw it at me as in terms of who you want me to kind of break down. But I know in the senior class, we you know we got Chase Meyer up there who's at the Super Sixty with us, Harrison Lewis and Cooper Clark who uh, were at. Um, our pro case, H.L. Smith, who we talked about a little bit last week. 24 class is a loaded class from a pitching standpoint. Um, and, and one of the deals that may happen in our rankings, we may have some guys jump. Other guys, you know, player B may jump player A, but player A's grade actually went up, um, which is not something that happens in the rankings. Typically, if, if somebody gets jumped, it's because they kind of stayed or they dropped and the other guy has gotten better. But when two guys make jumps and one guy just makes a bigger one and they were tight to begin with, we may see some some flips there. But Anderson Nance, Caden Morris, Cameron Seagraves, Collins Black, uh, Cole Lanford, um, who was a, a Future Games guy, has committed Old Dominion. So uh, a lot of really big names on here. This was a list, again, could have been 40, 45, 50 players long. We have to cut it down at some point. Nobody's going to scroll and read through all that. Um, and so there were some selections made and, um, you know, it, it's got a, a chance to be a really good year for pitching in the state. You know, when you, who do you, who do you think could make the biggest jump or impress you the most when you show up and, and see them in late April, early May versus, you know, what you've seen in years past out of that list? Yeah. So one guy I'm, I'm really intrigued on how they're going to use him. And I think that'll, that'll have a, a telltale sign is uh, Harrison Lewis. Harrison's a six foot six, two hundred sixty five pound right hander. Um, he's going to play a position I would assume for West Forsyth. There is strength in the bat. There is power. Is a legitimate middle of the order threat at a high school level. Um, at a lower level baseball, uh, as he moves forward, he would probably be considered a dual guy. I don't know that at Chapel Hill, the is going to play. They may give him a chance though, because the power has got a chance to be real. But on the bump, there have been some fives reported. We've we've seen twos and threes. Um, I think the slider cutter is going to continue to tighten up. I think he's eventually going to throw, you know, a split based on his arm action and his feel. Um, you know, he doesn't have to throw it now, but I think that's coming. 
if Wes Forsythe uses him in the back of the bullpen, I'm interested to see what the velocity is we get into April. Because, you know, one inning, two times a week, he may get really get it lubed up and loose and just start throwing BBs. Um, if they're starting him, I don't expect him to hold, you know, three. He's probably going to be in that 88 to 90, 91 range. He'll bump some here a little bit better, just body frame, body type. That's my guess. Um, you know, uh, another another name, you know, we talked about H.L. Smith last week, um, <clears throat> but Cooper Clark, you know, he's a Wake, uh, Wake County homeschool player, six foot four, 195 pounds. Um, he just, he looks the part. And he's, that, he's another one of those Campbell guys that, you know, he may – he may get kind of going this spring and we may see that jump where we've seen 90 and 91. It's loose enough. It's quick enough. There's good enough direction. The arm plays, you know, you get him in some bigger, bigger situations, a little juice, a little adrenaline in the crowd, you know, and he may start running some darts in there, threes and fours, you know, then what you pair that with some command and control of, of his off speed. And now you're starting to talk about him kind of climbing on that follow list for pro scouts. So those are two guys out of the out of the uh, senior class that I'm looking forward to watching. How how much harder do you think it is for for these high school right-handers evaluated in the in the evaluation process versus the high school left-hander when it comes, you know, draft-wise? Well, that's a good question. I you know, I think high school guys in general there's risk. And so you're you're trying to because you know let's let's look at Chance Mako. He's six foot six, one ninety. You know he he's going to be ninety ninety two. He may be a little bit better. The breaking balls in the zone, the changeups in the zone, but he's got three pitches that are going to overmatch ninety percent of high school hitters. So he can pitch, but honestly, he doesn't have to because you know he's gonna he's gonna get away with some things early in the count just because he's physically better than everybody else. But when you start actually projecting his stuff out, well, 90-92 is a 40 fastball. It's not a 50, 50 being major league average. When you look at his frame, you go, man, if he's 210, oh, my gosh, if he's 220, if he's 230. But trying to look at that body type and say, okay, is that body type really going to handle 220? And and when can we get him there? Is he going to be able to get there in four years? Is he going to be able to get there in five years? And so there's some risk assessment trying to project what the body's going to do. There's no question the arm's athletic. There's no question the player's athletic. There's no question that the stuff is advanced for his age. The question is how big a jump is there still left to be made? Schools are uh, pro clubs. Don't have to, they don't have to take that risk. Now we can send chance, let him go to NC state and bring him back where, where you start getting some of the left-handed versus right-handed in is just in, uh, you know, kind of playing the numbers. It, are, are there going to be enough left-handers out there that if I don't take them now, I'm not going to get them when they're coming out of college? I think that's flipped a little bit. You know, it used to be and when you were in school, when I was in school, you know, you were looking for right-handers that were 88 to 90, the way the old guns played. Left-handers, 84, 86. You know, there was that discrepancy in velocity. Left-handers just don't throw as hard, and that's okay because they're weird. And they can turn the ball over and they can, they're just, they're different to hit. Well, now when you look at the, at the averages of the fastball left or right, they're basically the same at the big league level. They're basically the same at the minor league level. Um, you have a few more left-handers that are below hitting speed than you would right-handers below hitting speed at the college level um, that have that pitch ability. But in terms of pro access and moving up the chain at the pro level and getting the chance to be a big league guy, stuff is stuff now. It's not left-handed stuff versus right-handed stuff. You know, your stuff is put on the same margin, the same grading table. And I think a lot of that's the advancement in hitters. You know, you look at the splits and hitters, and a lot of your better hitters at the big league levels, their splits aren't, you know, 85 points off left versus right. You know, they struggle with slider, or they struggle with changeup, or they struggle with velocity elevated. They don't struggle left or right, if that makes sense. And that's, you know... And, and you you hit and you hit at a high level. That that's probably different even for you. You probably had a a preference left or right. You probably had an approach left or right. And I don't know that that's as big a deal now in the way people are attacking pitchers as it was when you were coming through. What, what was your deal? Did you have a preference left or right, or did you have a, a completely different game plan facing those guys? Yeah, 
Yeah, I always felt better against left-handers. And I, I think facing left-handers, away, I right? probably had – Yeah, it took slider away, and I it, I think you, it really made you commit to the, the opposite field gap more so righties. You can get a little pull happy. But, you know, we, we watch the games now, and it is interesting, like you said, how many more guys that, you know, have reverse splits. You know, probably when I was playing, most guys hit the opposite hand better. Uh, but now you're seeing, especially – left-handed hitters that I, they probably heard it for so long or got tired of getting pinch hit for every time a left-hander come in the game that, you know, they've, they've worked on it, you know, growing up more and, you know, it's, it is more balanced now. Well, there's more ways to attack. There's more ways to get your work in. You can offset machines. You can give that look to left-handed hitters and right-handed hitters. They can see more breaking balls. You know, when I was coming through that two wheel machine from jugs, it just started kind of coming about, and it threw an unbelievably nasty breaking ball. And there was no in-between. Either through the one you could hit or the one you couldn't hit. But now with the three-wheel machines, with the junior hack attacks, with the senior hack attacks, with the wiffle ball machines and the softball machines, you have all these different ways that we can make the ball do a lot of different things in cages. So we can put hitters, we can let them, hey, go through your routine, work on bat speed, work on barrel efficiency, work on up the middle, work on away. Now we're going to put you in a, in a disadvantaged position compete the ball's coming from three feet behind you but guess what if you're facing tampa bay in a, in a world series they may have a left-hander who's all the way on the first base side who's six foot seven who's throwing i'm gonna lean he's already he's throwing from basically sidearm guess what that's where it's coming from and so that that while he still has an advantage because hitters don't see that every single day he doesn't have the advantage maybe he had 20 years ago where a hitter had never seen it um, and now these hitters, they, they have a chance to kind of at least rep it in practices. And, you know, if I know the scouting report, we can actually set up our, our machines on Thursday and mimic the guy we're going to see on Friday, mimic the bullpen guy we're going to see at the end of the game and give our guys a chance to have four or five, six at bats against those guys before the weekend starts. And I think that's, that's a big difference. And the reason why, you know, left-handed arms now are being graded very similarly to right-handed arms. And plus the video aspect of it with synergy and other things, you know, you, you can pretty much see every guy you're going to face. And yep. I'm sure there's high school hitters that get on our website and look at video of, you know, of who they're going to face, you know, heading into no a doubt. game as well. Yeah. We get that report. We get that call about, you know, probably five or 10 times a week from high school coaches. Can I get, can I get this video? Can you send me this? What do you have on this guy? <laughs> What's this guy's spin rates? What's this ball doing? You know, and even though it's a short bullpen, it's information. It's giving those guys, and then what do you do with the information? Does the information really work? I mean, what really happens is, you know, the better pitchers dominate better hitters, and better hitters dominate, you know, the the pitchers that they're better than. So, yeah, I don't know if the information is giving them a ton, but there is something about being prepared going into an at-bat. I've seen this before. It's not shocking. I have an idea of what I'm getting into. So, uh, we'll move forward to the other preview that's going to be out by the time this, this um, podcast comes out. You know, breaking down some of the best runners in the state. Guys have a chance to be game game breakers, whether it be on the bases or defensively and, and changing the game a little bit with just their foot speed. And Matt, you were going to handle that. Get, just give me a couple guys that you feel like um, as we move into the spring, teams need to be aware because if he's on base, it has a chance to turn a, a walk into a triple. Or if he's in center field, maybe he's got a chance to cover both gaps. I mean, obviously, you know, Jenkins uh, can run. There's, there's a reason he's – you know, ranked where he is. And uh, there's a kid at St. Stephen's, uh, Peyton Young, yep. uh, infielder who's who's ran really well for us. Uh, Luke NC Nixon State. at New Hanover. Yep, two yep. NC State commits right there, Luke, Luke, Nitz, Luke Nixon. And uh, a young kid I'm interested to see in person is uh, Trent Maben. Um, you know, obviously we remember his dad and uh, the reports out of, out of Lake Point this summer was uh, he can pretty he can run pretty well himself. Is he going to be at Roberson? I think it's Asheville. Asheville, is okay. The last I'd heard, Asheville. Playing on that turf too, yeah, and yeah, I remember covering his dad when he was a, a freshman, because um, we were recruiting uh, Kenny Smith, who's was Coach Smith's son at TC Roberson. We were in heavy on Kenny and trying to get that nailed down at Wilmington. Meanwhile, they had a freshman who looked like a freaking big leaguer hitting nine hole, and he was he was their best hitter. <laughs> they just didn't they they won a state championship. They didn't have to overload him. And now you fast forward and, you know, his Cameron's son's going to be in a similar situation. I doubt he's hitting nine hole though. 
because I think that bat's probably a little bit further advanced at this age than what his dad was. <laughs> um, and we'll see if he's the same athlete moving forward. So, um, again, th- those articles will be on prepbaseballreport.com. Go to North Carolina, go to the news. We'll continue to roll a couple more out behind that. And two that I'm excited about, we're not going to get too into the weeds on this this week. We'll talk a little bit more about them next week, Matt. But uh, the all-uncommitted 23 team and the preseason all-state team, these are two two stories, two teams that we put together that get a ton of hits on our website. And that that's always exciting, you know, especially when we can profile some 23s and really good 23s that are still out there that may still end up, you know, helping a high-level school next year. Yeah, it's it's another list that you go through it. You once again realize the the depth of talent here, and I, I feel like every year there's a a 2023 heading into the season that is uncommitted that is getting deep D one interest by the time the the high school season's winding down. And uh, there's a lot of guys that have gotten better over the last year, and it's it's fun putting those teams together. And we'll go to depth on those two teams next week. The all uncommitted teams scheduled to be out this Friday. The preseason all-state team is scheduled to be out on Monday, the day that kind of high school season kicks off for everybody. We should have that up that morning so that people can kind of look at it and, and really get their their juices rolling for game day and game week. Um, you know, the other big thing that we have rolling out um, by the time this podcast publishes will have actually already started, I think, is our preseason previews. So we had um, uh, over 100 coaches across the state respond to our preseason questionnaire. For every coach that sends us back information, we do a preseason preview. And, um, Matt, those are a ton of work. They're time intensive. But give me a feel on how much better you know some of these clubs after seeing, you know, some of the coaches' responses and then some of the information uh, that we gather as we're doing our homework on these clubs. It's super helpful. And, uh, you know, appreciate the coaches that that take the time to to send that in. And I think when they do send it in, it makes you keep an eye out for – for what their team is doing throughout the year. And, you know, they usually list some players to watch and, uh, you know, helps us keep track of those players. And we always get names that uh, maybe we haven't heard before, heard a lot about that um, helps us build our, our, our list as well. It's always intriguing too. And it's, it's, I I love, I love getting to read what the coaches write. Um, And some of it we publish, some of it we don't, some of it's just for us. Um, But inevitably we're going to have, teams that are going to be top five, top 10 type type teams in our power 25. And they're sending us stuff on, man, I just don't know if we can hit. And, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're going to be relying on a ton of juniors and they just haven't been proving yet. And, you know, you're looking at it and all those dudes are committed, you know, and they've done it you know, year after year after year. They just haven't done it for that high school club yet for whatever reason They, you know, guys in front of them or whatever. But and then you, then you got other clubs that, you know, you can tell the coach is trying to change culture. I, I love our toughness. I love our grit. Our kids show up every day and play. Just the the and the way that coaches, even when they're sending us information in December and January, they're starting to build the narrative for how they're going to be approaching their team. You know, it, it, don't let them get too high. Don't let them get too low. You know, is our focus really trying to build towards the end of the year, or is our focus just let's see how much better we can get today? And then we'll worry about tomorrow when we get there. And it, it is the coaches' jobs across the state are very difficult, and they're not paid a whole lot for what they're doing. But I love that they're spending that much time and that much thought in not only how they're going to respond to a questionnaire, but how they're starting to build that narrative for the 2023 season, how they're going to approach their team. Um, and we can even see how they're going to handle big wins and how they're going to handle tough losses based on some of the answers they give us because they, they already have a good beat on their club. And I, I love reading that stuff from the coaches as much as anything else. Yeah. You do appreciate the coaches that, that we know they're going to be good. We, we know the players they have and, and they go ahead and say, Hey, we, we have a chance to have a special year. They don't, they don't sand back too much. Like, <laughs> like some guys will do. They just, you know, Hey, you know, we're supposed to be good. We should be good. And, you know, we'll see if we can live up to it. As we, as we move into next week, um, we'll start our game week coverage. Um, and it's, it, it's the really, it's, it's the best time of year for us. This is what we love to do. We like going and watching games. We like following players. Um, you know, some of the things that we'll be involved in, 
We'll have a daily scoreboard that'll post to prepbaseballreport.com. We will try to highlight uh, 10, 20, 30, 40 games based on box scores that we're receiving, um, you know, highlighting big games by players, things of that sort. Um, we'll have um, our diamond notes each week, highlighting players that have had big weeks. Um, we'll have our pitcher of the week, our player of the week uh, that we'll uh, announce on Tuesdays. We'll continue to update the Power 25. We're potentially, we're thinking about adding a game of the week as we kind of get into the season a little bit and allowing you know, some of our fans and some of the people that are watching this this podcast and listening to this podcast vote on maybe a game that we cover on Fridays or Saturdays. Um, as we get into this season, Matt, uh, what's what's kind of your – what is it that excites you about the spring season with our coverage and what we do? I, we enjoy being at games, uh, the places that create a good atmosphere, and then – you know, when you run into those teams that, that really compete and, uh, you know, it's it's fun for us when we get the information sent in to us that, you know, we can we can give love to the kids who are who are having good weeks, whether they're, you know, a, a draft prospect or a college prospect, you know, that, hey, if, you know, a kid goes, you know, six for 10, you know, you know he's got a chance to, to get some love and people across the state can know what, you know, some kids doing at a, at a little 1A high school and you know, Western North Carolina or Eastern North Carolina that, that maybe some people haven't even heard of. Well, and it's, it's one of those things too. We, we post a lot of stuff, um, you know, a lot of player, player information and, you know, some of it can get lost in the weeds here and there. And some of it's for social media and some of it's just to kind of continue to get information out, but there's certain things that we do in the season. I know the scoreboard is, is huge with college coaches. I know a lot of them, it may be one of the first things they do just so that they have a, a, a talking points with players. They have talking points with coaches. Hey, you just played this guy. You're one of my buddies. Tell me about him. And and without even being able to go to the game, they're able to start getting information back on, on some guys that are on their board. The other part that's big is, is our diamond notes and, and our, um, you know, being able to see players week after week after week start showing up. You know, this guy had four hits last week, had five hits this week, had three hits this week. He threw a complete game. You know, and it's not just – that idea that he had one big week, but when, when coaches are reading the diamond notes, they see the name week after week, after week, after week, we start getting some weird phone calls because we'll start getting phone calls from an ACC or SEC coach saying, what do you have on this guy? And and I'm going, you know, it's not my, not my part, you know, but I don't have, I don't have that type of grade on him, but here's what we know. Here's where you can get video on him. And here's his high school, high school coaches information. And then you hang up the phone and you're trying to figure out why in the world is that guy calling about that player? Well, it's, it's game performance. And as much as what we do is analytics and, and Hey, what do you run the 60? And what was his exit velo? And what was his, you know, you start seeing guys that week after week after week perform college coaches are taking notice. They are prepping. They are following those guys and they are checking with us and then trying to get more information. And it may not lead to anything, but it is interesting because we all—it'll start next week. We will get phone calls on guys and going, okay, that's a weird one, but yeah, here's the information we got. Hey, going through those those box scores too, the the pitching side of it, you know, obviously scorekeepers, there's interpretation on hits and errors and things like that. But uh, you know, pitchers and their walks—that's that's, that's kind of hard to argue. And you know, we see below numbers and different things, but when you wonder why a kid's only throwing you know, three innings and then you go back through and you look at his walk totals and, you know, you, that, that definitely helps you give a good, get a good feel for, for what guys can do. Without even being there, we're getting information. And people always ask us, how do you do your rankings? A lot of it's what we've seen, but there is an aspect of us gameplay, you know, and how do they perform against talent that we know exist? We, we have a pretty good beat on most of the teams in the state. And how did you perform against some of the better competition? Um, the one I always like too, though, is when I get the two box scores from Game Changer, and one of them has <laughs> Johnny throwing a no hitter, and the other one has him giving up six hits, and you're like, oh, yeah. okay, how do I write this one up? And yep. typically, I'll go with the home team, but I, you know, I'm like, I, I can't throw a no hitter up there if they if the other team's saying six hits. So then we'll start making some phone calls. It elongates our day a little bit because we're trying to hammer that stuff out and get it posted. But 
um, it's, it's interesting, you know, and there are some discrepancies like that. And so we'll fight through it, but, um, definitely appreciate the people that, that fill that stuff out and yes. keep track of all that, because that's, you know, allows us to do what we do. It helps. I promise you college coaches, you don't even realize they're following you because they're not putting their names down, but they, they are following. They have different ways of following Some of them are using, you know, I, I know there were, there were schools out there that had an, uh, the same account just so that they could share the box scores without putting their name on the deal of follow. So you had one follower, but it ended up being like 10 schools that were actually using that account yeah. following those deals. I know um, Shooter, you know, has his list and he's following all the pro guys. So I know, um, you know, South Brunswick's going to be on his list and a couple of our other, you know, Eastern Rand's probably going to be on his list. Uh, Burlington School's going to be on his list. You know, but pro scouts are doing the same thing, trying to get as many box scores as they can um, because inevitably, you, you know, pro players put up numbers and, you know, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to say a double was an error. You know, it's hard to say, you know, a home run was an error. It's hard to say, you know, a walk was, it was a hit. You know, there's things that are intrinsic. We know that the batting average may not exactly line up, but there's things that you, you really can't score poorly. And so, uh, anybody that's doing that stuff, we appreciate you, what you're doing. And we are trying to follow as many as we can. So if you don't see us following you, send us a message, let us know. Matt, short and sweet today compared to last week. I know we had a ton of players to get through last week. Um, I'm going to let you, I'll let you in to give me, give me one, one thing you're looking forward to as we get the season started. It's either something that's coming off of your plate or something coming on your plate. What's the biggest thing as we hit Monday that you're really looking forward to? I'm excited to be off the computer and at a ball field. There you go. And with that, I'm going to end it. I'm Brandon Hall. He's Matt Payne. <laughs> hit that subscribe button for us. Like it. If you, if you did, that way we pop back up next week. We are the Prep Baseball Report of North Carolina Podcast, and we'll see you next week.